Hello and welcome to All Villa No Filler, a podcast all about Aston Villa, the world's greatest football team. Today we're joined by our guest Tom Cowley. He's the Digital Youth and Development Officer at Villa and Proud, the official LGBTQ plus supporters network of Aston Villa. I started out by asking him about the overall aims of Villa and Proud. Yeah, so as you say, we're the official LGBTQ plus supporters network of Aston Villa. Um, so we're set up for fans, players and staff at Aston Villa. Um, and we aim to basically just make sure that the game is a more inclusive and welcoming environment for everybody. And especially Aston Villa, um, because obviously that's where our focus is and that's where we can kind of push that change. And yeah, we host online and in-person events. Um, we work with the club quite regularly. Um, we've got Birmingham Pride coming up soon, which is which is really exciting. And obviously, we have campaigns regularly, like Pride Month and Rainbow Laces. So we've we've got a lot a lot going on. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that you work directly with the club. Kind of in what capacity does Aston Villa tend to sort of help out with Villa and Proud? Yeah, so we are um, we're independently run, so we've got our own committee, um, but we are officially uh, linked to the club through through their channels. So we speak with um, Lucy at Aston Villa, who's the EDI, Equality, Diversity and Inclusion Officer yeah. at Aston Villa. And we we speak to her quite regularly. So we're, we're in pretty direct contact and they, they'll just help us out with anything that, that we need um, or anything that we collaborate on. But um, yeah, equally, we're, we're quite capable of setting up events and uh, having networking and things like that that, are, that is run solely with us without needing um, Aston Villa's input so it's it's quite a nice balance that we've got going they they help us out when we need it and mm-hmm. to be honest over the last couple of years that support's just grown and grown so it's, it's been really nice to see. Well that is great to hear um, I mean I've um, previously interviewed Samuel Timms from um, Villa and Proud uh, about a year and a half ago uh, and I remember I took part in a social event that at the time obviously during the pandemic was all online but now that kind of the world has opened up again uh are, there, are you sort of running social events in person again on match days uh what kind of events are villa and proud running yeah so we um we, we've met up quite a few times in birmingham itself and uh, places like the loft in in the gay village um yeah. we're looking at meeting up quite regularly on match days if that's something we can arrange um and depending on numbers obviously depends on what kind of venues we need so it's quite flexible but we, we do try and make sure we meet up quite regularly like a lot of the um, groups around the club do um we've we've had a few events so far that have, that have been really good we had our agm in december mm-hmm. which was um because it was our first agm since being set up as a company so that was more of a kind of an introduction to villa and proud in terms of people finally being able to get in front of us and have conversations with us and network um and yeah, it's just it's been really good. And we've got Mike that's just come on board as our events officer. He started um, on the day of, of that AGM in December and he's got loads of plans for, for the new season. He's working with Villa, he's working with uh, various places across the city and it's, it's just really starting to grow into that kind of in-person social environment. And yeah, hopefully we can just make sure that people on match days and on other days just feel like they've got a network and they've got people that they can be their authentic selves with and they can socialise with regularly. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah, I mean, going to football matches myself over the last few years, I've started to see more representation of LGBTQ plus um, supporters. Um, But how kind of welcoming would you say football is to um, members of that community? Um, I think we're a lot better than we were. 
I think yeah. we've made we've made some some great strides in the in the past kind of twenty odd years um, and beyond. But I think there's still a long way to go. I think yeah. um, in terms of of on the pitch, I think in terms of fans and in stadiums, I think that's probably where it's it's, it's a funny one because you you ask most football fans, and most football fans will be fairly fairly on board as as society generally is um, anyway these days. Mm. Um, but you do still get homophobic chanting. You do still get incidents, obviously, and there's not many players that are feeling comfortable to be open in the higher levels of the game. So there's still a way to go in that aspect. But but yeah, to be honest, people people generally are pretty are pretty on board, but we do obviously still face uh, some challenges. Mm. And I think the biggest the biggest thing for us at the minute is although um things are better than they have been in the past, we we have seen increases in, in the last couple of years of uh, reports of homophobia, racism and and other kind of hate crimes and and generally, we hear from quite a lot of members that they wouldn't feel safe at games necessarily um, yeah. without our support. And, and to be honest, it's something I can sympathise with because I wouldn't, you know, and I know Mike has said the same on a podcast recently, and I wouldn't hold hands with my partner at a, at a football match because it's just not something that I'd feel comfortable doing. So that's kind of what we're trying to change, really. Yeah, I mean, how important do you think it is to have something like Villa and Proud and, you know, let's say like the Rainbow Laces campaign that was that was big um, recently? Um, you know, just, I guess, as, as a form of representation, how important are groups like that? Yeah, I think Villa and Proud um, and our kind of similar groups across the country are, are really important for just providing that network, just making sure that people don't feel alone. People mm-hmm. have got that support. Um I know Sam quite likes to describe us as that kind of armor. So if you feel like you're you're vulnerable, you've got that protection around you that actually no, you're not on your own in these circumstances and there are places that you can go and people you can talk to. Yeah. And I think um, you know, the campaigns that they that they have been uh, kind of growing around football and the wider the wider sporting world really have been have been really powerful. But I think I think Rainbow Laces is one that divides opinion slightly because um the visibility is brilliant, but it is quite often just visibility and sometimes yeah. that's not enough. Um, sure. And it's that kind of, it's what the clubs do to support uh, beyond rainbow laces, you know, what they do to support networks like ourselves um, for helping fund projects or helping just spread the message and actually have that tangible impact rather than in purely a visible one. Sure. And, you know, in May this year, um, there was a bit of a milestone really in football where the Blackpool player, Jake Daniels, um, he came out. He was the first um, male active professional footballer in the UK to do so. Um, how big a moment was that for you as an LGBTQ plus um, supporter? Yeah, it's, it's massive because it, it really does highlight the development that we've seen and the, the growth that we've seen in inclusivity and, and support for people's differences in, in the sport. And I think... I think the fact that he's such a young footballer and yeah. um, coming out at such a young age is is quite powerful in itself. And I think it says a lot about kind of the next generation coming through as well. Mm. Um, yeah. I think there's kind of the twofold thing of it is a shame that it has to be such a big deal because, you know, it's just we just want people to be able to live their lives and, and live authentically without it being such a big a big issue. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it was um it was such a powerful gesture and it, it's probably hopefully will start a bit of a domino effect of people feeling like they're able to, to be comfortable and, and, you know, and end that kind of media speculation that you like that 
you see from some of the tabloids and things like that and yeah and start turning it into something just positive and just be able to build that community and people realize that it's not just fans it's players it's staff it's it's everybody there's, there's you know people of all various different backgrounds various different sexualities gender identities in every aspect of life and, and i think it was a really powerful powerful moment yeah and you know for for supporters who you know are watching this now um, and might want to get involved with villa and proud uh, how how exactly could they do that yeah, so if you go to uh, uk, we've got our membership page and you can see um, all the kind of things that we do and the campaigns we take and you can sign up to be a member and it is free. Um, and it just puts you on our mailing list. It gets you involved so you can get onto our WhatsApp groups. You can kind of start getting involved in that network and start uh, communicating with other fans, getting involved in events. Um, and if you just want to, see what we're up to you can follow us on social media we've got uh, twitter is just at villa and proud uh, we've got instagram too as well as facebook so there's there's loads of ways you can kind of contact us and uh, contacting myself or any of the other committee members as well um and you you don't have to you know be massively out there and and be overly comfortable in yourself and want to be bold and put yourself forward to to have to get involved i think that's something that people maybe worry about is you know, if I want do I if I join, will I be labeling myself and putting mm-hmm. myself out there? But you know, there are people who just you can have any form of any form of uh, involvement with what we do, or even if that's if you want to be anonymous, if you just want to have someone to talk to. There's there's all various aspects of of the ways we can help you, whatever whatever you want to do. And and yeah, I'd, I'd massively recommend it for me personally. It's it's made such a huge difference getting involved. Yeah, I'd strongly recommend following Villa and Proud uh, on their uh, following the website and following them on social media. Um, just because for those who haven't or aren't too aware, um, it's it's so well done and looks great as well. Um, but also, you know, I guess sort of looking ahead and going forward, um, what more do you, would you like to see football do or players, clubs, um, even um, allied fans? You know, what what more would you like to see happen within football to make it? more inclusive and um, safer space for LGBTQ plus uh, supporters? I think it's it's kind of, there's there's the aspect of carrying on with what we're doing and pushing these campaigns and really stamping down that fact that homophobia, transphobia is not acceptable in in, in our sport. But at the same time, it's, it's that positive reinforcement kind of thing. It's that, you know, keep getting involved with these networks, keep supporting lgbtq plus fans keep supporting the players keep supporting uh, staff members and and just showing that you know what football we really don't care that you might be perceived as different that actually football is there for all of us and it's everyone's game and i think there's 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 so many different aspects of how they can do that but it's just all about visibility and and support and and tangible support and just helping us in every every way they can all Villa, no filler on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So, Tom, uh, you are an absolutely huge Aston Villa fan. I can tell that just from your social media. You are a really great fan to follow on there. Um, you have some interesting thoughts on Villa and how we're doing in the in the table. Um, so, I guess uh, you know, looking back on the weekend on the game against Bournemouth. Uh, what did you make of uh, the opening day of the season? I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was it was disappointing, wasn't it? I think yeah. I think I'd be probably 
look a bit deluded if I try to put a positive spin on it, really. But um, yeah, yeah I, I'm not really sure. I was disappointed to see after all the progress that we kind of hear about in the preseason, give us a good preseason. We'll we'll bring in these top new players and we'll uh, work on the shape, work on the tactics. And I was thinking, you know, we're going to come back really strong here against yeah. the newly promoted side. It's not going to be easy. They're physical, but we've got the quality to to outdo them. But yeah, it just didn't happen on the day. Um, I'm, I'm not going to join the join the kind of small group that started calling for the manager's head on day one. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, yeah. You know, it does. It does need to improve for sure. Yeah, and uh, you know, it was. Uh, I mean, obviously, we talked about it on our podcast. You know, on the previous episode, um, but it was certainly. Um, I wasn't expecting it to be a game where we couldn't create a single chance, and we're just kind of lumping it along and kind of hoping for the best. Really, it was a uh, pretty surreal to watch. Um, but something else that's kind of caught the eye a bit is the Tyra Mings um, situation. Um, yeah. You know, Stephen Gerrard made a couple of comments that have proven very controversial among us all, really, about, you know, Mings having to look him in the eye and say he's ready to play. Um, what what do you make of the Mings situation yourself at the moment? It's a tough point. I really don't know what to think because um, to start with, Obviously, there was there was the talk of him having a bit of a niggle, um, yeah. not being quite fully fit for the first game, and I, and I thought, you know, you might you might you know you might not start that game. That wasn't a particular surprise to see that he didn't start, because um, mm. I still I was envisaging that Mings and Carlos was going to be the the first choice partnership for the season, um, and then yeah, these comments are they're interesting. I'm not I'm not sure I've taken them quite how some fans have. I think when I've listened to the to the full interview. Mm-hmm. There's definitely an element of I could perceive it to say that you know he's not fully fit, he's not fully ready. When he knows that he is, I'll give him a chance. Yeah, but sure. it was that 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 idea of you know when when he looks me in the eye and tells me he's ready that it's it's just a little bit a little bit toxic kind of starting to feel a little bit toxic there. I'm not really sure how to even put that into words. Like it's just a little niggling feeling I've got that mm. there's something between them that maybe isn't quite right which which really would be a concern for me because he's such a big figure in the dressing room whatever you think of him on the pitch yeah completely he's um he's got you know there is a, a lot of affection there i think for for him considering that you know when he joined it's just generally been an upward trajectory ever since you know he joined midway through our time in the championship um our final season in the championship and a big part of how we came up and stayed up really and he's been such a great representative of Villa on and off the pitch um I guess those seeing a comment like that that whether it was meant in the kind of the harsher light that perhaps a few of us have sort of taken it in it still it still rankles a little bit um in a way that I think we'd rather not have uh at the club um but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it go how how that um goes forward really because you know, we've got Everton at the weekend and we're going to have to change something up. Um, do you think there's a chance Mings comes back into the starting lineup against Everton? I mean, I'd like to think so. Um, and I think if, if that was to happen and we were, say we were to get a result as well, hopefully, mm-hmm. um, it probably puts a lot of fears to bed quite quickly because I think after a, after a defeat, you then, you then start to see fans overthinking and we're all guilty of it. You know, I'm guilty of it too. You see that, you know, you've got Gilbert and Traore in the bomb squad, so to speak, I suppose, with the youth team. You've got 
you know, the captain's not been picked or he's been stripped of the captaincy and then uh, and then dropped and and people then see us you know not perform on the pitch as well and I, I know that it's quite easy to put two and two together and maybe get five I don't know mm. but yeah I think if he starts if we get a good result I think that'd be really good it would really change it would really change the whole perspective I think at the start of the season but I think it needs a performance as well. I don't think a result would be enough on its own unless it's back mm. for the performance to to really win people over because, yeah, it seems crazy after going undefeated all season that it seems so negative, all pre-season, sorry, that it feels so negative at the, the start. But I think some of that is is down to perhaps performances. Mm, uh, I think, yeah. Um, partic- I think the Bournemouth performance was just so below what we were expecting that yeah. I, think it's, I think it's hit. It's kind of shocked a lot of us, I think, um, and, and left us wondering just uh, what's going to happen this season. Um, you know, last time we beat Bournemouth on the opening day of the season when they came up, uh, we proceeded to go and get relegated. So hopefully it's the reverse this time. We go on and win the league. We're only three points behind Man City, one behind Liverpool. We dare to dream. Um, but like uh, something I'm interested in about Everton, actually, um, is how... The, I wonder if there's going to be a bit of a... Oh, I don't want to say they're going to be a bit like what Burnley were, but they do have some very big defenders now. Tarkovsky, Connor Cody's come in. I think Jeremy just got injured and Ben Godfrey just got injured as well um, this weekend. So I assume it would be Michael Keane if there's a back three, potentially a back five, which is that against Chelsea. I wouldn't have thought they'd play with a back five at Villa like they did against Chelsea, but maybe, maybe they will. In which case... Um, yeah, that could be a. I, I could see a scenario in which it's kind of like um, we can't really create many chances, and then they get a set piece, and we haven't been defending <laughs> set pieces recently very well, and yeah, things don't go too well. But um, but I don't know how how do you think it will go against Everton? Are you, are you, are you hopeful? I mean, I, I really don't know at the minute. It's, it's yeah. I, I've been like it for the last couple of years, though. You don't know. One day you you beat Liverpool seven two, and you think you know what we're. We're unbeatable now, and yeah. oh, we're going to absolutely smash this bottom six team, and then you lose to them, you know. But yeah. I don't know if you're if you're Everton, you're looking at the Bournemouth game, and you probably you might play a back five. You might just think, you know what, they're not going to create. We can we can get them on the counter or get them with a set piece. Then yeah. they're not going to be able to break us down. And I think the whole result will will kind of hinge on who scores first. If we score first and force them out a bit, we could score three or four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's a bit optimistic. I don't know, but. If we if we go one nil down, I I would worry. Um, I'm not sure what the stats are, but I don't feel like we've we've come back from behind very often, if at all, recently. Yeah. So yeah, the first goal is going to be crucial, I think. Yeah, um, I'm much more <laughs> <laughs> reticent about this game than I was. Um, I mean, we do have a good recent record against Everton, so you know, and we owe them revenge for how they treated Anwar El Ghazi on loan last season. Um, we yeah, will definitely. never forget. Um, um, but here's a question I want to ask actually and I ask this to quite a lot of guests who come on the show who is your favourite Aston Villa player of all time of all time of all time okay Um, cool that is a difficult one because growing up it was always Gabby but then it (laughs) went a bit sour and yeah yeah, I'm I'm not sure I'm comfortable with saying that anymore Um, and to be honest and again Grealish but um, well I know some fans will not like that at the minute, but I, I'm kind of over that. I had a bit of a spell of being annoyed and that players move on. And I think that I think in the next few years, we'll probably look back at that time really fondly. 
Yeah. And and yeah, to yeah. be honest, Tyrone Mings as well is up there um, in the last couple of years. Um, but then I think back to yeah, Ashley Youngs, Ben Teke, um, Melberg. Mm. Yeah, there's, there's players there. I, I'm not sure I could even pick one. That's it's a real cop out answer, but yeah, yeah. For such a poor kind of era, I've, I've <laughs> yeah. managed to put quite a few players out there. It sounds like we're, you could tell the generational difference because uh, I, I mean, I started following Villa in '92, so I, I managed to just get in in an era where there was still a little bit of success. Um, first t- league season I ever saw Villa was uh, where we came second in the Premier League to Man United, and uh, it was probably the only year I could ever have been accused of being a glory supporter. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Um, and then obviously, you know, I saw us win the league a couple of times. But um, I think, I, yeah, favourite player for me, I mean, I've got to be honest, I don't think I've ever felt such a love for a footballer as I have for Jack Grealish when he was at Villa. Um, it was, I always would say to people, like, he is my son. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I guess him from being from Solihull, very similar you know, schools and background and all that. So I don't know, it was very easy to relate to him, I think, as a lifelong Villa fan. But um, elsewhere, it'd, it'd probably have to be Dwight York growing up for me in the 90s. Um, and that was also heartbreak. Um, I remember yeah. him <laughs> going to Man United. And uh, I remember I couldn't speak on the day that he left. And my mom had to take me for a McDonald's Happy Meal. And uh, I think that was an indication for me of my first ever experience of heartbreak. I didn't have heartbreak again until I got to uni like five, six years later. I was like, oh, that's what that was. Right, okay. <laughs> so, so yeah. Um, but Tom, um, you know, like I said earlier, you know, you're um, you're really great to follow on online and I really value your opinions on, the, on particularly on Twitter about what you say about Villa and obviously Villa and Proud as well. But um, where can, uh, if people want to find you, where can they find you online? Yeah, um, the main social media that I kind of have publicly is Twitter. So that's um, at TomC2312 underscore AVFC, which is a bit of a mouthful. I probably need to update that. But yeah, so if you can find me on there and you can give me a follow and I'm more than happy to uh, interact, whether that's about Villa or about Villa and Proud or any other thing we may have in common. But mm. yeah, um, yeah, I'm, I'm always there. And, uh, you know, this season... I just think it's going to go. We're we're one game in, but we're one point behind Liverpool. Uh, how do you think the season's going to go? Yeah, I'm going. I'm going to pretend the weekend didn't happen because I think it's quite easy to cloud the judgment. So mm. um, I, I said before about ninth. So I'm going to stick with that. I reckon top half. I'd like to see a cup run as well. I think Europe's a bit of a stretch. Mm. Um, probably another year or two. But yeah, top half. Of, what was that? The highest finish that would be in over a decade. So. I wouldn't complain about that. (laughs) Yeah, same here. Okay, thank you everybody for listening. I've been your host, Frankie Maguire, and it has been brilliant to have you on, Tom. Thank you very much for coming on. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And goodbye from me. We'll be back again to review the Everton game soon. But until then, come on, Super Aston Villa.